Hello and welcome back to Cracked with Siobhan Aris. Today's episode is the very last episode of season four, so there will be a break for a bit after this. But don't worry, I won't leave you hanging for a long time. Before we jump in, I'd like to thank our wonderful sponsors for making the show possible. First up is Bullseye Glass. Bullseye is hand-cast by artists for artists since 1974. Their glass comes in hundreds of colors and styles. Each hue exists to help realize the vision of makers around the world. Whether for kiln-forming, stained glass, or mosaic, find out about their glass products as well as education, residency opportunities, and the latest news and events at bullseye.com. I'd also like to thank Canfield Technologies. When you start with a quality, impurity-free material, you end up with a smoother-flowing alloy providing consistent, reliable results. Learn more at canfieldmetals.com. I'd also like to express my gratitude for Yakagani Glass. Yakagani has been producing the world's finest art glass since 1976. With their 2017 entry into the 96 fusible market and recent acquisition of Euroboros glass, Yakagani is quickly becoming your one-stop art glass manufacturer. Find out more and see the new Euro by Yak and find your nearest distributor at yakaganiglass.com. That's Y-O-U-G-H-I-O-G-H-E-N-Y glass.com. Today, I'm speaking with the queen of scraffito, the Italian word directly translated to scratched. Her time-consuming technique of flooding a thin layer of lead-based powder paint over colorful patchwork-like glass pieces and then meticulously scratching it off, revealing negative space designs that come together to create elaborate and rich stories. Drawing from her experience of her childhood and family, in her stained glass pieces, Lil weaves a tale of greblins, witches, fairies, and sea creatures, to just name a few. A little bit of a a warning, or I'm not sure if warning is the right word for it, but just as an acknowledgement, I guess, from me that I start this episode crying. Um, It's not usually how we start these chats, but anyone who has experienced grief knows it's not a linear journey, and sometimes a wave of it will hit you when it's not the most convenient time. That's what happened here, and I tried to find a way to edit it out, but it sort of leads us into Lil's fantastic story, so I left it. Plus, it's just me being honest, so let's get into it. Join me as I crack it all wide open. Hello! Hello! <laughs> My trunk? The, the Tree of Life tapestry that was behind your... Uh, <laughs> My dog died like uh, last summer and uh, I had the same one and we wrapped her in it before we buried her. Really? Yeah. The exact same color? The exact same color, the exact same tapestry. Oh, wow. Yeah. So sorry. That's like the most awkward thing to to start a chat with. That's okay. No, like, it's a nice tapestry I, I uh i got it for the i got it yeah i don't know if my dad dog died i'd be exactly the same yeah yeah no i've been okay like i'm so sorry this is like so no don't worry about uh, it it's cool i don't I, mind uh, i haven't really like i think sometimes when like pets are older when you know they're gonna when they, you know they're gonna <laughs> When you know they're gonna die, you can like do some like pre-grieving. So I feel like I actually moved through it pretty 
not stoically, but like I felt very, I felt very okay and just like very like grounded in what was happening. And I didn't feel like I was like blindsided by it, but just, I don't know, just like seeing that tapestry just like really made me feel how much I missed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got three. We've got three little dogs. Ours. We um, because my my parents and my husband's parents bought a house together. So no they live way. This, yeah, <laughs> so they live this farmhouse. Um, it's like an old pig farm, and we have three little dogs that all live there, and it's like luxury for them. So we'd love to have our our dog Ben. He's like a little chalky. Looks like a little fox. Um, oh. we'd love to. I'd love to have him here, but um, they but our roommate has a cat, so we're just trying to find somewhere where uh, we can bring him that hasn't got any cats. But nowhere in England, every there's we, there's a real problem with rent that with renting now. So you, you can't get how you, young people can't afford to buy houses, but we also now because of everything we can't also can't afford to rent, and there's not enough places to rent. And um and so and then none of them want you to have a dog, so mm-hmm. we're just trying desperately trying to find somewhere that we can bring him because do really really miss him a lot. Yeah, yeah. I bet that's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but. so your parents, your parents, and your partner's parents bought a house together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my husband, uh, well, my so me and Rob been together about eight years. Uh, basically my mum sort of my mum so we I grew up on a uh, like a traveler's site I don't know what you'd call it in America but it's like um, there's a lot of like travelers and gypsies you know new age travelers and stuff on like this site in the middle of nowhere and um, and basically we've never been able to get out so um, and or afford a house and so uh, then when my grandma parents died um we my mum inherited not even like a nice house or anything it was like a I mean you know I loved it like and it was a lot there was a lot of like things that if I think about it now like inspired by my work um there but uh yeah it was just this sort of kind of very very old sort of run down a bit house in but it happened to be in London so because it was in London and obviously it was worth a lot of money um and so because it was just about on the tube and so um my mum got half of that and we with her brother and bought um sort of went round to Rob's parents house and was like hey we could buy something together ha 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 and then they both one day I think they got a bit Rob's parents got a bit drunk and phoned up my mum and was like uh, we've been talking about it and I think we want to do it <laughs> and that's how my mum we got out of the we got out of the uh, site and moved into this old farm that's like this got this long bungalow and it happened to have sort of it used to be like an old farmhouse but then they'd kept making they kept extending it and extending it and extending it over about I don't know like 60 years and there happened to be like a door in the middle and so literally Rob's parents live on one side of the door and my parents live on the other side of the door in this yeah that is the craziest in-law situation I've ever encountered 
I know it's pretty funny. It's uh yeah they they're they're, they're uh, they it's good that they got to get on anyway <laughs> because they didn't really know each other very well, but they they got to know each other because me and Rob bought um we bought a boat together when I was nineteen. We got a bit of inheritance and bought a boat together, um like a narrow boat and uh, spent about two years doing it up um uh, to make it all nice and then we lived on it for about five years. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was nice. <laughs> but then, yeah, that was a lot of my inspiration as well for my art was. How old are you now? Uh, I'm 26. You're 26. So you've been with your partner for eight years. Yeah, he's he's a little bit older than me. He's, uh, well, not really. He's only 20. He was 22. So he was he's he's well, he's 29 now, nearly 30. He'll be 30 on the uh, this month. Oh, an old man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, we're having a big party for him, which would be nice on the farm, on, on our parents' farm. That's so exciting. So you guys live at the farm with both sets of parents and you live upstairs? We we did. No, we did until very, very recently. Uh, it was only been like a couple of weeks and we moved to, I'm in Hereford, but my parents live in, and his parents live in Worcester. And we, well, we lived in London. We were living in London for about seven months, um, and then we moved back. And then we were, but we keep on and off living at the house, like everyone does. So, like Rob's Rob's uh, sister um, and has lived there, and and my my sister and her boyfriend are living there. And so we on and off live there, and then try and move move on, and then come back again. You know, yeah, you know, it is yeah, with your parents, so. Yeah, but luckily there's so many, it's, it's big enough, you know. Right. And this um, site that you mentioned that you grew up on, is that, is it kind of like a commune kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, sort of. It's, um, uh, they never liked calling it that. It, it sort of changed a lot over the years, um, but it's sort of, it was, um, it's like, because it's been going for a long time now, still going now. So, uh, but we, I moved there when I was about, uh, I think it was a year and a half. And uh, my sister would only just been born, really. And um, we, yeah, we sort of, my parents would move from place to place um, in the caravan. So, so they had like a bus and um, to couple caravans. Um, and, we they would move from place to place but then when they had us they sort of ended up getting like going to the the one in Worcester Worcestershire um in the countryside and they uh and ended up staying there for 20 21 years I think it was in the end when they bought well yeah until I was 21 anyway I think yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we lived there until I was twenty-one. Other than like sort of briefly being other places, uh, but no, we. I lived in a. I lived in the. We lived in the caravan until I was nine, and my dad bought. They bought uh, like an old uh, double-decker bus that had been like it was a. It was like a really like old messed up one. It didn't have an engine or anything. Um, and they, my dad, sort of did it up, uh, and then we lived in that for about 12 years yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, don't think like this gorgeous, like, you know, people read it, people do double deckers now and it's like amazing. It's like this beautiful place. Imagine just sort of like like the walls were like just like stained plywood and the and the some of the ceiling and some of the walls and ceiling were just like um you know exposed metal <laughs> and so and then we had this my dad made wood but make um he makes wood burning stoves um for people living on boats and houses as well and stuff like that just like he's like sort of you wouldn't call himself an artist but it's it is he has his own style in there they're, they're like bespoke um and he and we like um he made one not a nice one for the double bus and it looked like, like this giant bomb and it was uh it was like <laughs> this really big thing and, and uh and with this like round bit and then a big pipe and then it had this pipe sticking out of it and with a lid and me and my and it used to glow like red hot it's amazing we didn't like totally burn ourselves to pieces like when we were kids but uh, yeah no we uh it was yeah it was a good one though it was um it was made it very hot because people always used to say like oh it must get really it must get really cold living in a double bus and I was like yeah but then in the same way it's like it gets too hot because it's a metal box and you've got a fire in it that it just means that it's like this scalding hot like metal box you're just in an oven so it was kind of like the opposite was the problem <laughs> yeah. that is so crazy all of that sounds like it's out of a storybook yeah well yeah <laughs> I don't know it's just like just my weird reality when I was a kid I used to sort of pretend I hated it but I loved it really and there was and um because there was loads of other kids on the farm as well you know so like um at the on the site there was loads of other kids and we used to just be able to like muck about and play and they used to just let us strip like do whatever we wanted basically just like build tree houses in the woods because it was there was a there was a few quite a few woods around it was sort of like in the middle of nowhere um but yeah like on top of a hill um but like you wouldn't nobody would sort of know about it they try and like hide it away but yeah it's like a, I think it, that was like it was like an old farm but it was a lot bigger like quite a big I think it was like 25 acres maybe I think it was like fields and fields away from any other civilization. <laughs> and what about school? Uh, when I was at school, um, oh, we there was a there was a bus that used to take us. It used to take ages. It was like an hour. We used to sit on this bus, and it was always late because it was so far out. Like the buses, the bus system was just terrible. It used to just be always be late or just like. Um, or sometimes it'd be early and they and and so they'd have to pick us up in a coach like all the people that lived in the countryside um, and we'd have to walk down this track that was um, so there was this long track that used to take us would take you from the road um, through all the fields to um, to the the site and um, we uh, we used to we you'd have to you'd have to either people nobody would want to no no one outside the farm would ever want to drive down it because it was just um it was just crazy it would just be like it'd be like you were at a theme theme park or something it was just so crazy it was going down these going down and it would just just wreck your suspension on your car so 
So nobody who didn't live there would go down there. So we just have to walk down there. But then it, nobody did up the track. So it was always just just full of craters, like of like of like uh, of water. It was like a it was like ponds, you know, because it was just it was all mud. Like mostly, it was all mud. So it would just been the people would bomb it down there on like their in their like four wheel cars, and then you just like you know turn up all these um, big holes and so me us as kids we had to sort of try and try and like climb round <laughs> these these things just like with our school shoes and um to get up to to get home absolute nightmare or to get to the, to get the bus and then the bus would take us off to like the nearest school which was which was um what is it Pershaw high school yeah and how long was the walk from your little um your little hub, your little community. How 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 far was the walk between that and the bus stop? Oh, it was like, I think it was like, it was only like, uh, like a kilometer. I don't know, like, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes. I'm not sure. Yeah, but as a kid, you know. So, um, but yeah, it was, but, you know, we'd have a lot of fun and we'd do a lot of like, I don't know, singing or shouting or throwing things <laughs> like along the way so it was nice it would like I, yeah it was uh yeah you think about it now you think back and you're like oh we used to do all these fun things like walking on the way back and like trying to get around the the big like ponds that would be turned turn up and um and uh but then at the time it was like oh for god's sake <laughs> to get around this uh, it was a nightmare but, uh, and how yeah. old were you when you were walking that? How old were you when you were walking that? Because I feel like a kilometer sounds like really far for a little kid to walk. Yeah, it was just, um, uh, I don't know. Well, I would have been schoolish, I guess like like four or five. But we used to we used to walk together, you mm-hmm. know. There was a, you know, there was a, well, or, but then most of the time we'd get, or most of the time we would always get a ride down the track, but then we'd always have to walk back. So, uh but um and then that's when we'd have to like wade through stuff but um but yeah yeah it was but it was nice because it was all the other kids living there um yeah so it was like a and it was nice because we all grew up together and it was yeah <laughs> and how many kids were there um there would always be some people would obviously come and go um but I don't know probably like um because there would be some, some of us were there the whole time. Uh, probably like, I don't know, 15, 20, like, of all, like up to 18, you know? Yeah. Um, and there was still, it's nice because, like, when you live there for that long, like, well, we were always the, there were always like the little group, the group of little kids. And it was always like me and Kasia and like Molly and Daisy and Amy and, um, and Elsie as well. And then, and, and that was sort of like, the little group and you see us all walking around together and then when we got older then you'd see the new group of kids like and it was a lot of the like a lot of the kids who were a bit older than us they'd have kids and then their kids would all be growing up together and walking along, along the farm you'd see them going past the windows and stuff so um and then now there's a new one again um but uh yeah yeah so it's yeah it was nice and is there a, a different family now living in that bus um, no, wait, uh, they were thinking about 
leaving it there but then the mum decided to take it um and so it's just in the it's in the garden at the farm at the um that my parents the one my parents bought with Rob's parents that they live now it's just in the garden it's just and it's a state as well it's uh the um see the, my dad sort of didn't tell us to the last minute that that he'd be moving it and so we so we never went round went there because it was quite a like a trek from where we were but we never went there to go like take all our stuff out so like he so they got it and it obviously didn't have an engine or anything so he had to get the he had to get the wheel of it and somehow put the wheel the steering wheel on the outside of it and then I don't know somehow get it down get it down this track because there was like a there was a main track at the at the site where I grew up and then there was like a little bit of track that would take you up to the bit where we lived on. And um, and then I don't know how he must have put the steering wheel on the outside and like and must have somehow got it down that bit and then got it onto something and then it drove some some guy knew drove it to our new place and um and everything on the inside was all smashed up, like all the all my drawers had all fallen out um and and but luckily the only window that smashed was in my sister's room so who cares <laughs> <laughs> like because we downstairs there was the living room the like a, the dining room it was like a it was just it was just like a little table and then there was the kitchen then you go upstairs and we had a like a bathroom but it didn't have a wasn't like a toilet or anything it was just a shower and a sink and then it was my room was at the what would be the back if you're imagining on top of on a double bus my my room was at the back and Kasia's room was right at the front my sister Kasia and mm. you just have one sister yeah just one yeah yeah but we we're only like a year apart so um but I was so my dad's tall and my mum's short and so I got the so I'm more I'm not really tall I'm just five seven but she's uh my sister's really short so it was always like um, we were only a year apart, but it seemed like we were more because I was so much taller than her. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, what is she younger or is she older? She's younger by just, but only by a year. You know, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, it, but the older we get, the more it's like just completely insignificant. You know, totally. so which was quite early. I think I think when I have kids, I might do the same, or uh, because like it's it's quite nice having like a little. Or like a little friend to hang out with you know like when you're growing up yeah, yeah. built-in bud yeah well that's what my mom said well, that's why my mom said she had two because it was it's tight to have only one I think <laughs> yeah then yeah I have a lot of attention so yeah I don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah so I, you told me what your dad does, but so your mom, she was the stained glass artist, right? So did she, was yeah. there space in that bus for the, for the stained glass studio or was that no, outside? No, <laughs> no they, like, so um, me and my sister just stayed in Dublin. My dad was in his own bus that he still lives in now, um, uh, like in the garden at the, the place my, my mum bought with uh, Rob's mum. And, um, and then we, then my mum lived in her caravan, which is the caravan that we grew up in um and um the, the caravan that used to be our living room and dining room and and um and and kitchen 
but then she lives in there and she still lives in there now um in the garden in the summer and then we then she had a sorry she had a mobile home thing like a really old like falling apart sort of mobile home in like just like on the other side of um it doesn't matter you don't know what I mean um you had ever yeah she has a little mobile home. she had a little mobile home where she had her um her workshop in yeah okay. and that was Which... like on the other side of the bit that we lived in yeah and has she been doing stained glass for as long as you can remember yeah 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 my mum my mum actually um was a uh she did ceramics first she did a, like uh she used to make clay she used to make like all these crazy characters and creatures out of clay like this big whales and like it was always like mad stuff it was always like just really like you know it'd be it'd be like a whale but then it would have like loads of little snails on it or and like just loads of stuff going on you like it's like with my art actually um that you have to like look at it for a long time to like see all the little things going on um and yeah I always really liked like lots of detail and um where you know you can look at things more you can look at it more than once like you look at it and every time you look at it you see something else and then it's like it's like a new new thing about it you know yeah, yeah, definitely. Your work is really ornate. It's sort of like colorful patchwork style of glass with organic shapes. And then within, within each shape, there is a detailed something. It could be a fish or flower or a pirate ship or mythical creature, sea creature, dragons. Yeah. And then all of these like, quote, like, like I'll call them like glass patches have different creatures interacting with each other where clearly there's a, a whole other narrative and story to tell mm, yeah yeah they, they, i uh i like uh i was massively inspired by the mapamundi uh we did uh we did uh the mapamundi sorry the mapamundi in hereford because there's lots of them but it's i think it's the biggest one um in it's definitely the biggest one in the uk i think and um when because i went to i went to uni university in um hereford which is where i am now and uh and we did a project with the hereford um cathedral and they had that's where they keep the mapamundi um in the cathedral um and it was it was like an it was uh we did we were going to do an exhibition with them we did an exhibition with them and um it had to be something in, something inspired by that something at whatever it was something at the cathedral and um when i saw um uh, when i first saw the mapundi do you know what the mapundi is i know the one that you made oh yeah no well, basically it was it's um so i think it's made of calf skin and they made it in the like 1300s and it's uh it was basically everything they thought they knew like the whole world so it's like full of all this these crazy characters and all these myths um like little little illustrations of like children eating their parents and like this is where they all the children eat their parents and this is where like it was just all this mad stuff that they thought um that they thought like that was the world um and uh they obviously had 
didn't know that quite know the shape of everything of all the land so all the land is sort of vaguely like some of it is vaguely right but not at all because he just had no idea what what any of it looked like from above um and uh yeah it's really really inspiring thing to go see um and yeah i was really inspired by it so i because it was just you literally could be there for weeks just looking at all the different things on it because it's really big and um yeah and uh that's when i that's when i did my uh decided to make one just of hereford so it was just my mathemundi of hereford they they actually bought it so you can see it in the in the exhibition with the real map mathemundi um and it is a uh yeah i did i did a map of map of hereford so it was hereford in the center where jerusalem would have been on the the um actual mathemundi and then there was um and then there's just like recognizable buildings and then just like all the different places in Herefordshire and um all lots of folklore lots of lots of little illustrations of all the folklore um that comes from Herefordshire yeah it's so beautiful and you have prints of it that you sell do you still have any available um yes I do actually yeah yeah I uh I I made a load and then it was, this is the thing it was the first thing i made so oh. first, first and last thing i'd made so um i yeah i have i have do have some prints left yeah and um and i could get some made anyway but uh yeah no okay maybe we can work on something together for the patreon page the cracked patreon page that has to do with maybe some of those prints yeah i can get yeah yeah, yeah that'd be great i um i think they're they're my mum's workshop in Worcester yeah yeah you can get those and I also have because I was selling them but then I uh you know I sold I sold some and then like my Etsy wasn't working and so I sort of gave up on that so uh yeah but your your Etsy is, is up and running it's not working now or it wasn't well I'm not sure if it works now because I I so I put a load of things on it but then it wasn't working something about the payment wasn't working so people had kept messaging me over instagram to buy stuff so i mm-hmm. sold a load of stuff through it technically but everyone had to come and get come and buy it through me rather than through etsy which is really annoying so i think like i'm going to get rob to buy um like you know pretend to buy a card off it so they see if it works um mm-hmm. but i've been making a load of like smaller things to sell um so yeah I've been making a load of smaller things to sell like a load of little birds and things and um and to put up on it so i've got a load i'm gonna have a load of things put up soon um and little fish as well so i will have like yeah little things um because usually i make i i'm just so used to making them big massive things you know um that yeah i'm trying to trying to make some like more affordable stuff right because some of your panels are really large um Mm. i just want to uh Start out by reading your bio, if that's okay. My bio where? On what? Um, I think it's on Etsy. Oh no! Yes, that's my. That's a really old bio I made. I my. I think Rob wrote for me um, ages ago. But yeah, carry on. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I'm... <laughs> no, that's okay. I, you know what? 
maybe today is the day you decide whether or not this bio lives on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it says, I see the world as a confusing and chaotic place. Stories and characters can help me to make some sense of its complexity. I work with stained glass, a traditional storytelling medium to create mythical scenes that are allegories of modern life. I use the Tiffany technique and illustration to bring my ideas to life. My work often features characters I call greblins. Having evolved from fairies, these trolls represent the global elite and are key to the narratives in my work. So a lot of your pieces have these greblins in them and they're kind of like they look like a cross between a troll and a fairy I would say yeah yeah the, it started off um so I used to always draw these little characters I've done I've done it like for as long as I can remember um and I didn't think of it as anything um I just thought it was just like something I did for fun I literally didn't even think about it and um and then I um I made a I made that I made a big, really big panel. It was the second one I'd ever made. I made it just after the map of map of Hereford one, um, and it was kind of like it was my depiction of the entire world. And so it's it's incredibly complicated and takes ages to explain. But like every island is like a different. Um, every island on it is like a different. Uh, like struggle and uh, just the way everything that I, I thought of the world back when I was would have been about 22 just have because I just felt like I had you know I'd lived and I'd lived sort of kind of isolated place and um my world had been so small and um and so then suddenly becoming an adult and and leaving like the site and stuff you it's like you go into like the real world you know in adverted commas and um and I just felt like I needed to express that somehow and and that's how uh that's why I made that panel and that's how the that's how the gremlin started because um I needed a way of portraying yeah like the global elite you know but um they have changed a lot since then like that was that was the first time I ever did it and that bio is actually from um that one piece and that was just that feels like such a long time ago and they they've changed a lot now they're more softer now I, I'd like to make them more sort of like grim because I liked the grim but like I've uh I it took me a long time to like turn them more uh like aesthetically pleasing I guess Mm -hmm. so the piece that you're talking about is called it's called LSD it's called Lecky's Solemn Dystopia it's a series of overlapping circles and one that's the largest each circle you have clear glass and the colorful glass patches seemingly floating so if you're picturing what I mean, imagine your glass pieces ready to be soldered, but still separately laid out on your light pad or table. Um, you posted about it back in 2021, January 25th. This post says, I finally finished it. This is my personal chaotic depiction of the world made using stained glass, wood, lead paint, sandblasting, and pyrography. Pyrography, pyrography, in my own style. If you're interested, I've tried to explain it here. The main piece represents the world we all live in, and each of the islands on the left represent the different powers that oppress us or the different struggles. 
For instance, Big Pharma, BLM movement, Big Data, Powerful Leaders, Oppression of the Poorest, etc. The three islands on the right-hand side of the main piece are where the trolls who evolved from fairies called greblins live. They represent the global elite. Dancing around their mountain of gold, having luxurious feasts, and living in houses built on stilts for when the giant waves of climate change inevitably comes to drown all the woodland creatures living on the mainlands. The greblins come over on their ships to cause havoc and to feed potions to the fairy folk, to turn them into the hear no, see no, speak no monkeys, so that they don't course too much fuss. The creatures in the sea represent the six enemies of the mind, not including the equality mermaid in the middle. Lust, jealousy, delusion, anger, greed, the dragon in the frame, and pride. Some have lost souls in their grips. The COVID crows are sandblasted all over the top sheet of glass to represent the pandemic we all live in now. The separate piece on the bottom right with the three rainbow islands is a depiction of my childhood where I grew up and where I felt safe and secure before I made it to the mainlands. The frame displays the journey we took to get to this point, including different religions, the industrial and agricultural revolution, hunting, foraging, and war, etc. Finally, that's me in the center, looking confused about what the fuck is going on and trying to make sense of it all. It's inspired by my favorite artists, Grayson Perry, Pinky McClure, Kit Williams, and John Bauer. The wood framework has light boxes behind it and pyrography. That is a really hard word for me to say. Pyrography is... Pyrography? So you don't say the pyro, like pyro, pyrography, pyrography? I I say pyrography. I'm getting me confused now. Yeah, it's pyrography, isn't it? There is an R there, like like pyro. Yeah. Pyrotech, like pyrotechnics. Yeah, it must be. uh, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I just, I must say it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I could totally be saying it wrong. You could... 100% 100% be saying it right. Um, enunciation, pronunci- pronouncing words the right word. The, see? Pronouncing words the yeah. right way has never been my, my strong suit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's the 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 overall depiction of the piece that you're talking about right now. Um, it's Well, it's called Leckie's Solemn Dystopia. So Leckie was, uh, um, it was, uh, anyway, there's, it, it, it was like sort of a character sort of, that I made up that was me, but, but, um, without using my name sort of thing like a character that was that was me in this world that I've made up that I'd created mm-hmm. you know so that's sort of me in the middle of it in the middle island on it is me but that's lecky it's like a without using my name it's like a I can't think of the word what's the word <sighs> alias alias there we go yeah that's ah, the right word. okay Obviously, then that's what leads to your Instagram name, which is, is it? It's, uh, it's Lekasuka. It's like, I have two. Lekasuka is like a Leka, which is Leki, the, that was the alias I, for the character I made up. And then, um, Suka is bitch in Polish. Oh. So it was my, uh, my mum's, my mum and all her family were Polish. So, um, I just thought it'd be nice to like have, you know, something about that in it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Lekasuka Lekka is very, uh, it's like a fun, 
it has like a good mix of like consonants and syllables. Like I, I have a list of words that are just my favorite words. Mm-hmm. And lekasuka isn't a thing. But if it was a thing, an actual word that would be yeah. a dictionary, then I would absolutely like add it to my list of favorite words. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a good, I, I, yeah, I sort of made it up at the beginning um, because it was uh, have, starting an Instagram was actually sort of part of my, uh, something I had to do for university. Um, and so it's sort of, I, I sort of just made something up on the spot and I, but I'm really, I really like it now. You know, if it's like really grown on me and I'm, uh, I wouldn't change it now. You're, you go by Lil, and then is your last name pronounced Eris? Yeah, Eris. Yeah, it's uh, so um, basically my uh, my real name. My my name, um, the name I had before was uh, Lily uh, Rishworth Huppert. So my sur- my surname was because basically my parents never got married. So, but then my mum didn't want to not have my dad's name, but then she didn't want to not have her name. So and so we decided, she decided to double barrel our names and it's just been it's because it'd be all right if it was like Jones Smith but it's Rishworth Huppert so nobody knows how to spell or say either of those words so it's been and it's much more of a pain um, than you would ever think so um, so I when me and and then when me and Rob got married we decided to to come up with a new one a whole new one so uh yeah but it was it he rob was terrible he didn't want to could it was terrible at choosing a name like which was but it was very good at like saying no to any any suggestion i had and finally we found one which was eris and um so eris is a it's either a dwarf planet it's the name of a dwarf planet or it's uh it's also the name of the goddess of strife and discord which we thought was quite funny that is, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, my last name is Eris, right? But it's spelled different. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. I am. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I've been, maybe I've been pronouncing it wrong. No, I, yeah. Is it the, is, is it, uh, is it spelled the same as the same thing? It's the same name, just spelled differently. It's pronounced the same. It's yeah. not like, cause when I think of Eris, I do also think of like the Greek goddess, Eris, mm-hmm. but mine is, like the family name. My husband is Scottish. And um, I think there's like a place in Scotland called Erise. And that's where his family is from. And that's their last name is Eris. And it's so funny because I've been married for like, it's almost eight years. And still to this day, every time I say my last name, I feel like I should like wink afterwards because it's not really my name. Like I feel like my maiden name is still my real name, which is Moore, Siobhan Moore. Um, Mm -hmm. But- Anyway, just like a little aside that I don't believe my last name. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't. Um, with the reason me and Rob didn't choose his name is because we didn't really, we just weren't really like. Um, you know, I've spoken to so many women about it before, like for a couple of years before, and nearly all of the people I asked said that they said they oh I don't like didn't like changing my name. My grandma hated having my granddad's name and um and so I I uh we we decided that it was too harsh to to give him my one (laughs) and then it was uh and then I didn't want to like I didn't I wasn't really interested in a sort of you know taking the man's name thing so I feel like we're not 
very tradi- traditional and um and so we decided yeah decided to just make up a new one I wanted it to be really short because mine's so long I just wanted it to be really short yeah I'm so curious to see what's going to happen like in the future of surnames and maiden names and all of that because I your story is a story that I've actually heard a couple times like a similar mm-hmm. uh path with that so mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if the, it just becomes like really super old fashioned for the female to always take on the man's yeah, it the just male's felt like, name. I don't want people to think that I'm like that. I because some people get a bit um, upset that I would think that, but I, you know, I think that it's some people, you know, love it and like love the tradition of it, and I totally get that. Um, but for us, it would just we're just not like that. We're just sort of more like make up a new one you know for fun you know um yeah why not so uh yeah yeah so that's that's why we did it anyway (laughs) I like your way thanks (laughs) I don't think my family my husband would have been open to that he's like has a lot of family pride he's really close with his family he feels really proud to be an heir so I don't think he would have ever uh given that up but I find that and maybe this is more of a modern problem because we have the internet and we have everybody has like a personal brand now whether or not you think you do or you have a small business everybody has like an online brand and at least an online online presence online yes that's the word presence everybody has an online presence and my online presence as Siobhan Moore kind of felt like was wiped when I became Siobhan Aris yeah, yeah, I thought that's that is exactly what I heard. Loads of women tell me. Loads of women said that to me, um, and and I just, yeah, I I was I'd always disliked my surname just because I like I like it because I like it. It reminds me of my parents, and it's you know it's nice. But it was, and I mean, just I'm not exaggerating. Like it was so difficult. It comes up really difficult all the time like it doesn't fit on my bank card um Mm. it's like I'm never sure what I'm supposed to put when it says the name on the card you know and then like it doesn't and for a lot of people um they can't send me they can't send me money they're not sure whether it's because it won't sell won't send if they don't use a hyphen um and if they don't if face instead the money won't send and like just it, I could never use the copying machine and it was always my emails was always funny and it literally it comes up as just an absolute pain your whole life having a really long like name that no one can no one can pronounce the amount of certificates I'd have to send back like three times going you, you spelt, spelt my name wrong on the certificate like do you know what I mean it's it your whole life is just constantly having to these pain the ass things to come up because your name's so stupid <laughs> <laughs> I never wanted to pick one. I never wanted to pick one because then I'd be like picking one over the other, you know. Like, um, and yeah. So it's a nice, nice just to be able to just, you know, pick a new one, start again, you know. And it's yeah. short. What four letters? Lovely. It is lovely. I again, I really like how you did this. I want to see maybe more people forging a new path and trying this way out. Yeah, I know. But then the thing is, you'll always have different surnames. Then you'll always, your family will always 
kids have different settings. True. Very true. But who cares at the yeah. same time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, th- I feel like with sites like Ancestry.com, we're all mm-hmm. going to be tied together anyway. Eventually, mm-hmm. somebody's going to fill in all of those gaps for you that you're related mm-hmm. to, you know? So it doesn't matter anymore, I don't think. Now that we have, like, DNA and we're tracking everyone's DNA, I truly don't think that, like, names are going to be quite as, like, important anymore. No, no, I suppose, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a fun thing to think about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's get back to glass just because mm-hmm. I can just I can just go on and on and just mm. parlay that conversation about weddings into a conversation yeah, about yeah. funerals. And then we can talk about funerals for a while and then we can like <laughs> go into something else. So I got to like, I got to focus. <laughs> yeah. we gotta, I got to keep us on track. Usually we start with technique, but we've already started talking about a couple of your pieces. So there's a couple more that I want to ask you about and then we'll get into how you make your pieces a little bit. The next mm-hmm. piece I want to ask you about is Nine Nights. It's another elaborate story being told. There's a couple embracing under a tree and the female is pregnant. You included the unborn baby in one of the glass sections in like her tummy section. And then there's an mm-hmm. underground series of tunnels and chambers with little creatures in each chamber. And then behind the tree... Behind the tree where the couple is, there's another, there's a gremlin spying on them. Mm-hmm. And then another four in the distance. One of them is dancing. Two look very relaxed. And one is waving. And that's honestly probably about a third of what's happening in this photo. Yeah. Um, I went back and I did find a post about it from June 22nd, 2021. It says, Maya and Eve have followed the legend that says, if once a month, For nine months, a couple in love embrace under the tree of life. They will be blessed with a baby of their own. Here they are embracing for the final month, but unfortunately, an evil witch has told the village folk of their wishes, and so they've sent their largest, nastiest gremlins to come take them away to be tied into knots and rolled down a mountain into the sea. My piece is depicting a scene not too dissimilar to real life, where same-sex and interracial couples have faced hate and discrimination for the crimes of their love. The juxtaposition of the tranquil scene in the foreground and the lurking threat coming over the hill shows the absurdity of such baseless hate and prejudice. Over the brow of the hill, shadowed by the sun, is a dark spirit representing the souls of those who have died in the battle of equality. I love that you're using your work to really you know, make a statement about very current social issues. I have a lot of friends who have struggled with those kind of things and, and family members as well. And, um, and it's, you know, it was, so it was a real, um, I really, really loved that piece. I loved making it. It was just, it was like my baby. It was just like the best thing I'd ever made. And I was so, so pleased with it. Um, and like I literally put my, I put everything into it. It was all I thought about, and for months, it's all I thought about. All I did as soon as I got up until like ten o'clock at night, all I was doing, and um, and I just I loved, um, I re- I just learned so much with that piece, um, and it was so nice. Like when we, because it was my final piece, so we, I took it to the. Um, I took it to my uh, final year exhibition 
And I had this woman come around and she was really interested in it. And she was um, from a same-sex interracial couple and she worked for um, she worked for Craft Magazine. So she worked for oh. Craft Magazine. Yeah, and um and so she chose it to be in um I was in the top seven uh ones to watch of uh new artists and um and I was in this I was in the magazine and I was in the article, um, which was so great because there's this wonderful woman from Ireland who um because the Irish love stained glass because they have Harry Clark and everything. And um, and she contacted me through Instagram and bought it off me. Um, and she, yeah, and she and she painted to have it taken all the way up from my from my door to her door in I in Cork. And um, yeah, and it was it was it was so nice that um, to have somebody that could have, that appreciated it as much as like I loved it, um, having it in her house. And um, yeah, so that was really nice. That was uh, really, it was, yeah, meant to be. <laughs> it was sad to let it go, though. I was so sad. I didn't want to get rid of it because it was genuinely like, you know, when you make something and you spent so much time on it and you just like, you see it. Because the thing is, when you make a really big piece like that, um, when you do painting on glass, you can't, you can see each piece individually you can pick up each little piece and look through it but you can't pick up the whole thing and look through it so you literally can't see it until the last second when you've made the light box and you've switched it on that's the first time you see it um in months like since you and you've like you all you can do is see it in your mind and so when you turn you turn on the light box you've just made and see it for the first time it's like really amazing really really amazing experience and then and then you know you're like wow I can't believe I made that um but then and then I always do this thing where I'm like I look at it too much or something and then I'm like oh it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) terrible and I have to not look at it for weeks and then I can like finally look at it again um same every single time they absolutely do me in but I love making those big pieces yeah. Uh, let's talk about one more big piece. And then uh, I want to ask you about the story that's behind all of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, the largest, I think, Grublin that you've made is La Eva Lee. La Eva Lee, yeah. Yeah. It says, uh, this piece was inspired by my trip to Prague, where I went to the Mucha exhibition and is the fourth in a series of large panels I've made following my modern day folklore story of Maya and Eve that will one day illustrate a book I'm creating. It's an esoteric allegory of the modern day. Each piece has been cut, ground, painted, fired, copper foiled, and soldered at least once and up to three times. So you're writing a book. Well, I was, I, I want to, so I, what I want to do is I want to have create, I want to keep doing these big pieces. Um, and because they sort of, they, they're slowly sort of telling this story that I'm going to just keep adding to. Um, and it won't be something, it won't be something I do now. It'll be something I do in like 10 years time or something. And um, uh, basically what I want to do is, do you know who Kit Williams is? Uh, there's this uh, artist called. Williams and he does 
um he does paintings on wood and then he has but he also does like ceramics and all kinds of amazing things his work's beautiful and um he uh he he has a book where he has each one of his pieces are is a um is like part of the story and so it sort of illustrates a book throughout these through these big paintings with um on this on wood and with like and and all this i'd love to have each illustration of a book be a different panel if you see what i mean yeah because i keep this sort of every every big piece i do is another chapter in this story that i is is very, it's going to be very very slow though very like this slow thing that i do over a long 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 time um and yeah, well, it's interesting. Le Evely is called Le Evely because I, um, so the, uh, is it Mucha or Mucha? I always thought it was Mucha, but well, we also Mucha. probably pronounce things differently here than, of course, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Mucha exhibition, each, um, because it's French, the they each begin with La like most of most of the time and so I thought well I'll begin started with La and then um and then Eva is um is Eve and then um then Lee is the place that I moved to in London which was Lee and um and so it's sort of which was like a part of my life at the time so La Eva Lee that's how it was named and um because I after uni I uh I won a bursary to move to uh, to at Cockpit Arts in London. Um, yes, I wrote that there. down. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, I I won a a bursary to basically you get your own studio and um, you get mentoring and all sorts and um, and then they do um, like exhibitions and stuff of your work and. Um, yeah, and I and I so me and Rob ended up moving to London. We were going to move to Germany, but that's a whole other story. And but then we didn't, and then we luckily I won this thing, and we moved to London. And yeah, just went to London, had a great time, and uh, and but it's very expensive, London. So we ended up, and so we came back, and we're not, so that's how we're living in Hereford again because Hereford's just wonderful. It's just so full of so many artists because they've got the they they have like it's they have such a good um hca is such a good um college uni like i that's where i sort of like learnt and that's where i was taught and um and it's uh, there's a wonderful university here i think it's the only blacksmithing course in europe and so there's lots of blacksmith which is always fun and there's um and there's you know jewelry make, makers and there's um, fine artists and lots and lots of ceramicists and wood wood turners and all sorts and um it's yeah Hereford's a, a funny place because there's just so so much wonderful art here um and so many so much uh there's so many exhibitions and things so much so much that you can that so much you can do if you're an artist in Hereford mm. and how far is Hereford Hereford outside of London Oh, it's out of like uh, probably three and a half hours drive. Okay. It's far away. Um, it's no, it's near. It's on the border of Wales. Oh, okay, okay. 
So more about this cockpit clear bursary winner that you are, <laughs> this award. Uh, it's designed for makers in any discipline who have been in business for less than three years. The cockpit clear bursary includes studio space for one year within the creative community at cockpit, business supports services, including one-to-one coaching and business development workshops, selling and promotional opportunities, including two annual cockpit open studio events, and an insurance package from Clear Insurance. Yes, that's great. Yeah, it was so good. It's a really nice thing. Um, It's been such a whirlwind um, since I finished uni. Um, And it was, yeah, it was an exciting exciting thing to go and like be with all these amazing artists and like really amazing really really wonderful artists um and I learned so much um and got to go to collect and um yeah it was a it was yeah I loved it I loved it I loved my time there um but uh but yeah it's it's you know it's very expensive and and um and I just I really, really miss the countryside. So, because growing up where I grew up, like it's just, it's I just love, I just love it here. <laughs> so I just had to come back. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that I wrote down was the new Ashgate's Rising Star of 2022. Rising Stars is a curated national platform to foster and champion new talent, early career makers, students, and graduates from. BA and MA crafts, design, and applied arts programs across the UK. Rising Stars offers new makers a first step into the marketplace through a curated selling exhibition. It is also an exciting collector opportunity for those wishing to support and collect work by future stars. The program will consist of the Rising Stars exhibition that enables new makers to access the marketplace and collectors, professional development, and a catalog to act as a to act as a promotional tool for the selected makers. The 2022 project will also be supporting new makers in the post-COVID-19 craft world. I love this. And you were one of the the artists that were chosen. Is that the same thing as the craft magazine thing that you were talking about? Is this the same? No, no or is no, it separate? Is, uh, yeah, this is separate. This is in Farnham and it's a... Uh, uh basically it's all new artists um i think you have to have only be i think you have to be like very new and you can um you can apply to be there and luckily i got in and i had so i had to i had to quickly make another piece because i sold the other one and so i made that um my coral grief which was the underwater piece i made and um and I luckily I managed to sell that one again. I sold that one as well, and uh, through, um, oh no, I didn't actually. I sold it. I sold it through a different way. I almost sold it through them, um, but then they couldn't get it over. They couldn't get it over overseas. But um, anyway, yeah. So yeah, I uh, I I think it was Rob that found it online or something and I and I uh, with I did, just didn't think that I'd get in and I was uh, so chuffed because when I got in because I just there was some really really amazing artists there and um and it was so nice to be part of another um wonderful exhibition um because I'd only been in I'd only been I'd ever been in ones at uni before um so yeah it was a really 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 fun experience 
I do. I uh, I definitely love. To, I'd love to do it again. I think I can. I think I can apply again, and um, go again. I think. But uh, yeah, I always always tell people to go to that because it's really it's a lot of fun. That's amazing. Okay, so I did get a question from Instagram at Jay Kuski. Just replied with one. The question is one word. How? <laughs> so we're going to dive into that a little bit and touch on your technique. Um, on your Instagram bio, it says Queen of Scraffito. Yeah. And the um, the definition of Scraffito is it's Italian for scratched. In the visual arts, a technique used in painting, pottery, and glass, which consists of putting down a preliminary surface, covering it with another, and then scratching the superficial layer in such a way that the pattern or shape that emerges is of the lower color. So a lot of us have kind of played around with this. There's those like little kits for kids that you can buy, right? Or it's it's almost like a... I used to play with those all the time when I was a kid. I used to always get bought them for Christmas. Those where you can scratch away and it's and it's like a rainbow underneath. My daughter loves those. She goes crazy every time we see them. So what is it that you are actually, what is the top layer, the black layer that you're putting over your glass? What's it made of? Okay, so it's uh, it's a, so I what I used to work in, in is, well, I still do sometimes, it was a lead-based powder paint. So it's lead, black lead powder, um, and you add water to it and sort of turn it into the paint. And then you can you flood the glass with this black paint. And then you use a badger brush to um, to make it all even. And then you have to let it dry. And then when it's dried, it's obviously a very thin layer, but it, it could just, it comes away really really easily and so you've got to be really really careful and wear gloves because obviously it's lead and um and then scratch away um all of the detail you need i i love it because i because i love intense detail and you can get a really high level of like intense detail but it does take such a long time so my work always seems like i feel bad i i'm always not sure how much to charge because it's it just has taken such a long time to do that it just has to be expensive. And so I I really want to learn. I, I love doing graffito and it's it's sort of it's my favorite way. But I in the future, I really need to learn how to use how to do all the other skills because there's so many other things you can do. And I've only just touched the surface, really. Um, I've just gotten really good at just the one thing. And so I really need to to have a look at all these different techniques because I don't even really use there's all these different things like silver stains um which are beautiful and I've you know I've had a little go at and then all, all the different colors and stippling and all sorts and I I really need to um learn some more to uh up my up my uh my up the the what's the word I'm thinking of I don't know like just up your game yeah, up my game. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is so after you well, first of all, I just want to say you have time. I love that you're like mastering this little corner and then you're gonna like move on and very likely completely master the next thing that you try to do too. But with this one specifically with the scraffito, 
it feels like I'm saying it wrong, but I know I'm not scrafito. Um, do you then refire the glass and then does it sort of like bake on that yes, lead? So you have, yeah, you have to fire it um, to 680 degrees. Um, and then it's always a lot of fun the next day where I can get all the pieces out and then put them all together and like have a look. And uh, it's always me and my mum's favourite thing because my, my mum has a big kiln that she puts all her work, all hers and mine in. And then we're always really excited to put it on. And then the next day we get up and we keep checking to see what temperature it's at and see when we can get it out. And um, and then we get it all out and we wash it all and we like put it, we sat outside and we put it, we look, put it up to the sun and we're like, oh, look at this one and look at this one. And we're like passing them about like uh, just... Yeah, just like all the little pieces, and yeah, I absolutely love it. It's uh, this is the thing. Like I, you know, I went, I did foundation. Um, I used to do puppetry, which is another thing of what used to be the uh, where my gremlins were from because I used to make puppets of um, you know creepy little characters, and um, and uh, when I was in foundation, they teach you how to do all the all, everything. So every different technique. So you you learn. Um, how to work with um, what's it called terracotta and like resin and then you do the ceramics and wood and small metals jewelry uh, they just let you have a go at whatever you want to do and and, um, and there's always and textiles as well I've I've always known how to do textiles and I've always been good at it but I find the process it was trying to find a process that I where I liked every I liked all the different things you had to do and with textiles I, I'm good at it but I hate doing it I don't get any joy out of the making of it like the end product's wonderful because I've made this wonderful thing and I'm like I love it but every step along the way is just like oh now I've got to do this and oh now I've got to thread that you know and um and so I'm cutting corners every everywhere every step of the way and um but then and I was always like this with even with ceramics like I couldn't bear that it would might come out of the might come out of the kiln broken or something like I hated that and um I'd there was always something about it that I some part of the process I didn't like and then um when I started doing stained glass I realized that I just really enjoyed every single part of it um you know you you know I'm like oh I get to do the cutting bit now and then I cut it and I'm like having fun cutting it and then I'm like oh now I can grind it to the right shape it's so satisfying isn't it when you're grinding it to the perfect shape and then um and then you're like oh now I can now I can do the black it up and now I can paint it and um yeah it's uh yeah it's I just love every single every single part of the process and that's how it became the my final like right this is what I want to do Which is so interesting because I feel like when you're talking, I feel like when you're talking about it, you are speaking with such enthusiasm as if you just discovered it. But remember uh, to my listeners and to myself also, your mom did this when you were growing up. So how old were you when you discovered it and were like, wait, actually, I don't want (laughs) to resist this. I actually just do love it. Yeah, no. Well, no, that's that's the thing is that my mom's always done it my whole life. but I was never interested in 2D and also I was never interested in non-P2 
painted stained glass. I have more of appreciation for it now, but like um, I was never interested in it. I always liked, you know, I used to like build, I used to make little dolls houses or little like toys all the time. And um, and I liked that because I liked the 3D. But then I I was never interested in, because sorry, my mum only just, my mum's only been doing the painting on glass for five years because she couldn't actually she couldn't have a she didn't have a kiln that the when we lived on site there was no mm-hmm. way of having it and so she always just works with um she always just worked with uh just doing sort of you know um and without any painting or anything and uh and I'd never had any interest in it so I'd only really done it like a couple times little things when I was a kid um and so I sort of, but then when I started learning, when I went to uni, so it was really, I, the first time I did it was when I was, I, I would have been in, in my 20s, you know, like probably mm-hmm. about 20, when I actually did painting on glass for the first time. The, the paint, first painting on glass I ever did was for the Mappa Mundi, the Mappa mm-hmm. Hereford I made so when I was 22. So, yeah, it was very... um it's a very feel it's a very it still feels like a very new thing to me so yeah. but I then I sort of had the skills of cutting and grinding things from when I was a kid but but I re- literally must have only done it about two or three times um because I was it was always what my mum did so I was always like like oh I don't want to do that you know what my mum does you know yeah um, so I'm much more interested in the puppetry because I love the storytelling but then when you you know, there's so much storytelling you can do with uh, when you, you know, get into painting on glass. And so it really did. It was I was able I was able to have the characters that I loved in my puppetry and then the storytelling that I loved um, all in one. And so uh, so that's how I sort of, yeah, fell in love with it, really. And look at you. Look at you go. <laughs> You've already done so much with it in such a short period of time. I'm. I hope that you are so proud of yourself. I, I yeah, I'm quite hard on myself. Really, I sort of feel. I just always say, "Oh well, it's a, just a fluke," and it's silly. But I just sort of, I don't know. It's just the this the way I am. I guess I. Uh, but I yeah, I, I find it really difficult to, um, to organize myself. I'm very because I I have it. I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia and stuff when I was a kid. So I uh, I I find it really hard to even doing things like find things like this. I find it really difficult because I'm constantly getting getting distracted by something else, and then or or just um, or just finding things. I see I'm doing it now. I just find I find things like I find it quite difficult to. Um, to gather my thoughts and remember what it is I need to do and organize myself I feel like I should be doing more than I am and just sort of like telling myself off all the time basically I uh I I need to I'm trying to make some smaller pieces now and but then when I think oh I'll do a small piece and then I make it bigger and bigger and then I'm like oh but then this now this is hundreds of pounds <laughs> you know so uh, yeah yeah, I uh, I need to I need to get better at organizing myself and and like and not having to go at myself for not doing what I think is enough, you know. Yeah, I think that anybody listening can relate to that. 
I mean, we're all really hard on ourselves, not just as artists, but I think just as like people, you know, negative self-talk is pretty rampant. You know, I would say we're all, we could all like afford to turn the volume down a little bit on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, you know, start you, start your own business when you don't feel like you know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know what you're doing. I think you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I want to go ahead and ask you your final three questions. Mm-hmm. The first question is, who is your favorite stained glass artist? I feel like I, I it was, it was Pinky McClure because I really loved her work a lot. Uh, and it was inspired me a lot for all of my early pieces. But I've been really getting into Harry Clark's work. Um, mm-hmm. He's a stained glass artist in, from Ireland. And um, I think it was a, oh, I had a book in here. It's, uh, I think it's, it's, I've only just sort of started getting looking into it. I bought a book of his um, and the characters and the, the storytelling in it is just, it's insane. It's like, um, you know, it's amazing. It's, it's, he's a, um, he was, uh, I think he, he was a really, um, a really, really amazing artist and he made so, but he did loads, he was one of those people that just did loads and loads and loads of it. Um, and I, I'd love to, I'd need to look into, I'd read, read that book I bought and look into it more because he is pretty insane, pretty amazing artist. Um, yeah. But then Pinky McClure is also wonderful as well. But then I'm, I got really, I loved Pinky's work. And then I sort of started, um, I started disliking anything with, um, with man-made things in. Mm. So I, I, even with my own work, I start my old stuff. Like I felt, I feel like now I never like to have anything with like a straight line or anything with, um, you know, uh, I try to even try to make clothes very any of any clothes they're wearing have to be very sort of like old fashioned and and you know just sort of draped on like let very little like man made effort at all you know do you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah yeah I know what you and mean. Uh, anything with like um because a big inspiration for me um was Grayson Perry when I was younger and uh and he does I love his work because it just has so much stuff going on and everything represents something different and um and and uh and there's like lots and lots of color and uh but yeah I sort of went off anything with with you know if it has like trainers in it or if it has um man-made things in I sort of like go off it for some reason recently mm-hmm and who is your favorite artist outside of glass? Would that be Grayson? Yeah, it probably have to be because it's just been I've I've been such a big fan of his for such a long time since I was a kid that it, I guess it just have to be. I don't think anyone else could compare. I just uh, I love that art is just everything to him. You know, when I I felt like I, you know, I remember someone telling telling me someone I, I remember showing someone the boat once and they were like wow you really just live it don't you and I was never thought of it in my life like that I never thought that I really do just try to have art everywhere like um 
wherever I am, I try like whenever even in this room here is just like covered in things that like I've little trinkets and collections and um and like little things that I've found on the floor or little little things. You know, when I lived in the boat, everything, all the walls and everything were covered in um you know postcards and pictures that I'd found and and um just very colorful lots and lots of just stuff you know Tiffany lamps and things I'd found and um and things I'd been given as a kid and all sorts just I like to always see it I like to have all my stuff everywhere and all like be able to like enjoy it you know not put it away like I'm always telling my mum to stop like putting things away to keep them nice forever because then you'll only see them like four or five times in your whole life and I I, you know maybe they'll get a bit torn and sort of destroyed one day but you'll have been able to like appreciate it for such long so much longer you know like objects I just love handmade objects just like I realized that I realized that sort of all my hobbies are all to do with making stuff you know antiques or old architecture it's all you know handmade stone and handmade um hand carved this you know yeah yeah I think it's really wonderful that you've like embraced it and you're like this is this is special and this is magical and this is and this I want to see all my little things instead of like trying to go against it you know that's really refreshing yeah it means that there's it means it gets quite dusty but (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's uh, to enjoy all my little funny little things so I don't mind. Get robbed yeah. to, you know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the final question is, what are your five to 10 year goals? So my, my, so what I really want to do is I need to start selling my small things. I want to be, I want to I want to stop like producing lots more things and doing this is just this is just now I suppose this isn't five years then but um now I want to do I want to start selling more things and making more little things and um doing markets and getting to like know more people and and maybe um curate some things some exhibitions or something or like have I'd love to in five years time I'd love to have like an exhibition of all my work all my I'd love to have a load of big my big pieces and have them you know a story and the people could walk walk around and see the and read about like what each bit means you know yeah and um which it it, it uh, portrays um and I feel and I'd love to I really want to do my book but I think the book is going to be a long thing but then I thought I think I really want to make a book I really want to do a book that's just about the greblins and like how how they're born and I've I've been making some smaller pieces that are um are how the how so there's like I sort of it's sort of turning into now there's like good greblins and then there's the evil greblins and and I there's some sort of these are some of them are like just sort of fairy grebbling things. It's all they're all they're all related anyway. And I've made some smaller pieces that have been um like how some of them are birthed out of flowers and some of them are birthed out of um you know in pea pods and and uh, I'd love to do a I'd love to do a book on how 
they you know how they're born and and like the origins of them if you know like yeah. sort of fantasy uh, origin kind of of the gremlins if you see what I mean I do see what you mean I hope that this I hope you make this book because I would like to buy it I really want you to make this book please make it yeah there, well there's a woman who does a fairy book that I I have um but I think it's at home and I it's a really really good book um, oh, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's um, it's how fairies are. It's like the, the whole life cycle of a fairy, and it's such a fantastic book. I wish I remembered what the name of it was. It might be called just the life cycle of a fairy. I can't remember. But it was a really, really, really nice book. Um, and uh, yeah, you should definitely, definitely get it. Uh, I'd love, it, I'd love for it to be like that, but with the gremlins, you know. <laughs> yeah. I bought a bunch of fairy books when I was pregnant because I was looking for names, like unique yeah. names. And I have a couple like really special little fairy books still. I don't think mm-hmm. I have that one though, but I have one that's like, has, it's like the dictionary of fairies or something. And it's like every kind of fairy there is from like the fairies of water to like the fairies of this flower to the winter fairies to, you know, yeah. all the little ones. It's so cute. Yeah. I- I have to. I, should, I have to send it to you because you'll really like it. Then it's really, really, really nice book, especially if you got kids. Really nice. Okay. And will you invite me to your exhibition that's going to happen in five to ten years with all those big pieces? Yes, of course. Yeah, I will have to. I'll have to see. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'll. Yes, I really hope I do. I do do it. I really. I'd love to um, make. See, every time I make a big piece it absolutely kills me and then I'm just sort of it's like my ADHD brain just has to be I'm always either on or off so I'll be on 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 and I'll be you know I won't even I'll barely change my clothes I'll just be in the workshop constantly just doing this thing just like can't think about anything else genuinely can't think and barely can sleep because it's all I'm thinking about and then and then I'll finish it and then I'm just off and then I could get stuck in these things where I'm like, I can't do anything for like months. Sometimes I've had it before where I've just been like, it's like, I just can't, I can't like get on with it. I just, I, I don't know. It's like this mental block I get. Um, so, so they really do do me in, but I just love it. I love the, because while I'm making something like that, like everything in life is great. Like there's no, I'm not, upset about anything I don't can't, I don't think about anything else I'm just really content and uh so I I think it would take about 10 years to to make another 10 pieces you know <laughs> just one big one a year you know <laughs> all right well we're all going to be watching and waiting patiently yeah Lily thank you so much for spending this time with me today and sharing a little glimpse into your world Uh, have a wonderful and productive day in the studio and I'll talk to you really soon. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. To see more of Lil's work, her Instagram is at Lekasuka. That's L-E-K-K-A-S-U-K-A. And mine is at Runa Glassworks.
for the final Patreon page drawing of the season. I'm doing a drawing of two names. One winner will receive the Map of Monday print plus a set of greeting cards. And another winner will receive a Scraffito stained glass white lily made by Lil and a set of greeting cards. I'll be doing a drawing for those on September 3rd, 2023. And that's all for this season, friends. Hopefully, I'll be seeing a lot of your faces at the SGAA conference in Buffalo, New York, where Ted Ellison and I will be doing a joint presentation. I know it's going to be an amazing weekend of learning and making connections. I've already got my list of artists for season five, so hang tight and we'll be back before you know it. Till then, bye. Bye.